We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, digging in back into football, real life football today. Not just that fantasy stuff that we talk about primarily on the Pat Mayo Experience, but we're going to be breaking down the NFC winners and losers through trades in free agency thus far. Obviously, there's still a draft to happen. Obviously, there are still free agents that can be signed. These teams are not finalized right now, but hey, it's never too early to talk about this. It's fun to talk about this stuff. So NFC today, AFC will be coming at a moment in the future, hopefully at least. Uh, So make sure to tune back into the Pat Mayo experience to check that out. And I have some incentive for you to do so. So number one, if you want to get into a draw for about 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, and something you enjoy about the Pat Mayo experience. Maybe even like go download a few of the shows that are up there too. Boost them numbers up and you'll be in a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. You want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks? Smash the like button for the video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and you give me your NFC team that you think is the big winner from the offseason and the team that is the big loser from the offseason and you'll be in that draw for 20 dk bucks as long as you put in your DraftKings handle of course like i mentioned joining me on the show today to break this all down a real footballman co-host of the pick six podcast on cbs sports will brinson what's going on man pat what's going on buddy uh thanks for having me long time listener first time guest i um i gotta tell you this uh corona thing and i'm not making light of it i'm being dead serious when i say this like it hit did it really golf season? Really? Cause I was sort of like, I was sort of locked in on DFS and had started to get my models cooking in, in golf. And, um, was even taught. I was like, to even tell my bosses, like, look, if you want to move me to golf, I'll do it. I'm kind of enjoying it more than, than football right now. Uh, and I just need to sort of hone in on figuring out my lineup, how to, how to get lineups put together and then bam, no golf for the next, uh, I don't know, like eight weeks. At least eight weeks. I mean, I think yeah. they're talking about Byron Nelson as being the first one to come back. And even that seems a bit yeah. far-fetched at the moment. Yeah. I mean, they. I know like the Wells Fargo in Charlotte at Quail Hollow. I think that's, is that two weeks after the Byron Nelson? I mean, they, the problem is they need three weeks to set these tournaments up. So like you're, you're, you're putting yourself, like you can't even get, you know, you can't three weeks, like you need three weeks of people on the ground setting these things up and everybody's quarantined. So it's just, it's just not going to happen. I just hope we get some version of uh, the golf season at some point in June or July. 
Yeah, hey, listen, a return to everything will be terrific. I don't think we're going to see NHL. I think that's done. I can see MLB. They're talking about like, oh, we can just do a 150 game MLB season. We'll play double headers all the time. Like that's not happening. So <laughs> like condense it to like a shortened season, like an 80 game season, whatever it might be. Start up in August and go through like October if that's viable. Uh, at least up here in Toronto, you know, they can play inside the dome. So you can almost play year round if you really wanted to. But like it's the football season that scares me the most because I don't think it's going to start on time. Wow. Really? Yeah. I, f- I feel like October would be my guess. Oh man. So yeah. you think it's going to be, I see. I think, I think what's more likely to happen and I'm not a scientist. I do or a doctor. I just went to school what? for a very long time. No, 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 know, no, right? no, no. That is that, that you were like just breaking, breaking the fourth wall with me here. Like the facade is now over. Like I thought you I were know, Dr. I know. Will Brinson. Some people think that I am a doctor, a medical doctor of sorts. Uh, my diagnosis on the pick six podcast, draw rave reviews. Uh, what do they, they, um, what do they, uh, pro, oh, uh, Bro football doc is what Ryan Wilson called me. Just some bro who thinks he knows what he's talking about. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think that the thing I would be concerned about is a secondary outbreak. If you go back and look at the 1918 uh, Spanish flu influenza, if you will, uh, the secondary outbreak was actually more deadly. Uh, the one that came in September, October, October 2018, I think was the most deadly month of the Spanish flu, even though it originally started back during flu season. See, that would be the problem. Like, even if you played it without fans and there was a second wave, it just takes one person on the team to get it, then everyone's got it, and then the league shuts down again. Like, you would want to at least have as many provisions in place where it couldn't, it would be very unlikely to break out because what are we going to do now? Like, oh, like everyone on the Atlanta Falcons has COVID. Well, they can't play their games this week. It's like, okay. So, what do you do with the season then? (laughs) Well, yeah, right. And then, like, it's a, you know, like, let's say the Saints are fine and the Falcons are not, and they're scheduled to play, do the Falcons forfeit? Is the game kicked back to, like, February? What, you know, how does this how does this work out? I mean, maybe they have to – maybe this is nature's way of telling the NFL owners that 17- or 18-game seasons are not meant to be. Maybe so. I, I wonder <laughs> if there's, like, a, I know they would want to try to maximize all the money out of this, that if – could you ever see the NFL going to a shortened season? Like, they play 10 games or something like that? Maybe 12. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they did that with the strike shortened season when, um, oh crap, what's his name? The uh, the kicker for the the Redskins won MVP in '87. Uh, I can't I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but because I'm a, a terrible uh, football writer. But uh, you know, the idea that you could go to a shortened season is not crazy. I mean, you do it and you you know build in some preseason games because you have to have that build up. As much as they hate preseason games, you still have to have training camp and you have to have the build up that is you know two preseason games to get the get the you can't just throw these guys out there on october 1st or september 1st or 5th or whatever it is and say like all right everybody play professional football it would be quads would be you know shredding in half hamstrings would be lying all over the ground it would be a disaster yeah uh mark mosley is the guy in 82 mark mosley that's it thank you 82 yeah all right uh, you know what i i've decided that anything related to my brain cannot be held against me once you've been locked in your house for 72 plus hours well put it this way if you're coming on this show this is not your show this is my show so you can just like say stuff and it can be wrong and like just pretend it's fact and like, people will believe you <laughs> that that is true you're right maybe <laughs> maybe no one will call me on the carpet well um, in fact when, that's when, actually short of my stick is throwing out <laughs> things that may or may not be fact well when you're at cbs there's a certain level of like journalistic integrity that has to go in it when you're on the pat mayo experience you're you're, you're really dropping a level here in terms of the legitimate information department uh, that's not actually true. My, my, my boss, uh, who, you know, uh, EK has, I told him, I was like, I'm going on, uh, I'm going on Mayo's podcast. And he was like, finally a Brinson show. I'll be excited about listening to. Ah, that's nice. Uh, with the boss in your corner, that's always perfect. Let's talk teams though. Who right. do you think in the NFC is the biggest winner so far through free agency in the trade period and everything like that? Cause I think people will say it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I actually think the Cardinals got a lot better. The Cardinals would be my pick as well. And I look, Tampa Bay, if, you know, if you're doing grades, you give Tampa Bay an A+. Plus, Do not you, because, though? No, okay, okay, let's start with Tampa Bay, then. We'll get to Arizona. Okay. I, well, I, I agree that the Cardinals are my number one winner. That's the team I would have answered first if you just blindly asked me. But I do think that, like, you lured Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. But is that it's a good, like you but, lured him to but, California. Is that a good thing, though? Like, does yeah. that actually make them significantly better? Because I'm kind of dubious. Well, I, I think so. I think if you look at Tom Brady in 2019, he wasn't terrible. Now, he's not peak 
2007 Tom Brady. And I mean, who is like who amongst us is sure you know, the same in our late thirties as we were in our mid twenties, but he played well. He just had nothing around him. And now they have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and OJ Howard and Cameron Bray. Ronald Jones, I think could actually take a little bit of a leap. I mean, just to me, there's enough there that I think Tom Brady with Bruce Arians is going, they're going to collaborate on this offense and it's going to end up being a, a productive unit that puts up a ton of points. I don't think that they're going to be bad by any means. In fact, they probably win more games than they did last year, but I just don't think that there's such a substantial upgrade from Brady, from Jameis to Brady to make them like, Oh, they're like favorites for the Super Bowl. Like I still don't think that they're the best team in their own division. Like I re-signing Shaq Barrett and getting the franchise on him, I think is still more important than signing Tom Brady. I, and so that's sort of my, like, that would have been my logic behind the Cardinals. They're picking the Cardinals as the number one winner is that the, the Bucks I thought were already in pretty good shape. Like get Brady or no Brady. Do you feel like this team is going to be competitive? And go get Andy Dalton. I think this team could be competitive. I mean, yeah, but, 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 that's, but that, that's my whole thing with Brady. Like there was, there was a myriad of quarterbacks out there that were theoretically available. Like I think Dalton's the perfect example. If you put in Dalton in Tampa and not Brady in Tampa, I don't think at this point, with Tom Brady, like where he's, I think Andy Dalton is still good. Like they're, they could be the 14th, the 10th, the 9th, the 18th, depending on where the season falls out, best quarterback in the league. But it's not like you went out and got Patrick Mahomes. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not, it, it is, it is not like that at all. You didn't even go out and get 2015 Tom Brady. You're getting 2020 Tom Brady, but the dude takes care of his body. You know, I think he can still make all the throws. There is some diminished arm strength. You're reading The Athletic. uh, Vic Defer wrote that the Raiders were sort of out on Brady because they were, you know, they were they were worried that his game tape showed a guy who like declined a lot. That's concerning. If you know the Raiders are, you know, John Gruden, you feel like he would have definitely taken on Tom Brady. But I just, I just think that the there and this sounds a little cheesy. I think there are some intangibles that Tom Brady will bring to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that Jameis Winston won't. And I'm not even talking about the 30 interceptions. Uh, I mean, like he's going to come in there and work in a way that is going to change. Bruce Arians talked about this work in a way that's going to change the way that the people inside the building operate. His teammates are going to see how he, how he behaves as a professional. And like, he's by all accounts, but one of the hardest working guys you'll ever see in the NFL. I mean, everybody knows this. And I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder having, in my opinion, been kicked out of new England told to leave by Bill Belichick. We're told you can't come back by Bill Belichick. And so I think you'll see a motivated Tom Brady who uh, is willing to elevate the people around him, maybe in a way that a Jameis Winston or an Andy Dalton or even a Cam Newton can't do at their current stages of their careers. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty important point. And one that I tend to overlook is that you know there is a culture element to this. Just having a professional in place who can show people how to work the right way can improve everyone across the board, even if the throws are not 2008 throws from Tom Brady. You, you would accept a level of diminished play from Brady if he can elevate everyone around him just to run crisper routes or get on the same page on the playbook or here's how you train, here's how you take care of your body. I guess that is an aspect that just it's so unquantifiable that you, know, you give Brady the benefit of the doubt on this because he has proven it over time, but we don't know if that will translate or not. Yeah, and like, hey, here's some magic Alex Guerrero avocado cream that you should rub on your body, and perhaps it'll make you stronger and faster in an unusually quick speed. Who knows? What, yeah, you know, yeah knows well, they use. well, there's going to be a game like the, the week two in November. One team's going to have COVID. They're going to have to forfeit, and then Tampa Bay's all going to be put on the PED list. So <laughs> Tampa, Tampa Bay's like shooting like yeah, that's right, PED list, or they're like like Tom Brady has some anti-COVID like grape that he raised out in the you know like he's going to come up with the, the the vaccine for COVID, but he's not going to give it to any other NFL teams because Alex Guerrero is going to squat on it. You have to subscribe to a meal plan with TB12 to get the COVID vaccine. And then it's going to turn out like it's just like those essential oils after all, where it didn't even work to begin with. <laughs> yeah, my buddy and I have an idea to um, it's like, you know, there's like the mosquito spray or whatever. They come and spray your house and yeah, yeah. You, do you guys have that up there? Yeah, like, 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 like when they put the clown tent over your house and get rid of all no, the bugs? No, 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 that's like a fumigation. I'm talking like these guys come and spray your backyard. We have bad mosquitoes here. So they come with like a leaf blower full of like this spray and they shoot it all over your yard. And it re- it's like uh, the mosquito troop is what they're called or whatever. And like it rids your house of mosquitoes. We're going to start doing like snake be gone spray. Like you, it's just <laughs> it's just comfort. It doesn't really work. We're going to show up and spray your house with this liquid that tells snakes to get away and we'll be millionaires. Yeah, it'll just be like a placebo thing, and you'll be like, hey. Exactly. We, we, cash, we, we really took advantage of this disaster capitalism, and we're good to go. Um, right. They re-signed Ndamukong Sue as well. 
And a lot of people made a big deal about this. It's like, well, the Bucks were awesome against the run. Like, who? this sounds so flippant, but who gives a shit if you're great against the run? <laughs> well, the, that's the thing. The weird thing about Tampa Bay's defense, and they did leap into the top five, I believe, of DVOA by the end of the season overall. They were the best team against the run. But there's like a catch to that, and I think that people get lost in it. It's they were good against the run, and they had good personnel against the run. Adamakinsu is fantastic. Vita Vea took a leap forward last year as a run defender. However, when you are a Swiss cheese grader against the pass and you have the best passing offense in football, you're going to be good against the run. Because everybody's throwing on you, and you're throwing a ton, so people are trying to keep up, and they can easily throw on you to keep up, and you're involved in all these wild-ass games where it's going back and forth, and James is throwing pick sixes, and you know the other team is winging it up and down the field left and right. They were the go-to team for fantasy offenses. Like, you picked a team playing the Bucks in the passing game for fantasy each week and for DFS, and so I think that part is a little misleading in terms of how good they were against a run. And as you point out, like, Great, you can stop the run. If you can't stop a team from passing in 2020, it's irrelevant. Yeah, like I think they finished 12th in pass DVOA, which is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But as I always kind of point out on this show, it's really hard to predict defense year to year. Like the year, that, the year that the Jags go to probably should have went to the Super Bowl, but lost to the Pats in the AFC Championship game. It's like, oh my God, like this defense is going to be the defense. It's like defense doesn't work that way. It's really hard to repeat as a very elite functioning defense especially not only in like two aspects even in one aspect so if you're the number one run defense coming back from last year and yes you have uh, basically the same personnel coming back in which is great but just there's certain things that need to break your way there's a certain amount of health that you need that if you go from first to seventh all of a sudden you're not good anymore and if you're the 12th best pass defense you go to like the 18th pass defense well your defense sucks at this point yeah and it's easy to drop off you're absolutely right like you i don't think that Ball outsiders were not deep enough into the offseason for them to have done a, adjusted games lost for uh, 2019. I'd be curious to see exactly how many the Buccaneers end up with because that can sort of pretend luck. You know, you're going to regress to the mean if you're very healthy. I do like, I mean, I do like what they did on defense. So, like, Devin White to me was a guy who flew under the radar as a possible rookie of the year candidate. He's sideline to sideline, makes an impact. Levante David. You know, criminally underrated for almost a full decade at this point. You have Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, who you brought back. And in theory, these guys in the secondary should get better. Todd Bowles is capable of getting pressure on teams without having to, you know, re- just rely on like a four-man rush. He's good about generating pressure. He's worked with Bruce Arians for years and years. And his defenses didn't take a steep drop-off in Arizona when he was under Arians. So I sort of trust him to keep it up a little bit. I still think, you know, we're going to see – we're also going to see something different, like – they're going to be probably, I don't know, like they're, they're, they're going to ask less of their defense, I think, because they have Tom Brady and in theory will engineer, you know, longer drives that end in less turnovers and less deep plays down the field would be my guess how that offense operates. Yeah, that's also a big part of it, too. So it, it works twofold. So you have Brady, you expect fewer turnovers in that sense. Therefore, your defense isn't always on the field. They're not getting exhausted. They don't have to defend short, you know. I would be curious to see how often that Jameis just turned the ball over inside their own 30 and then the defense just suffered the consequences of it. Um, that would be interesting to find out. And you just know that's not going to happen at with Tom Brady. At least we don't project that to happen. But also on the flip side, a lot of the offensive explosion from the Bucks also came from the Bucks being down by like 14 points after two minutes. And they just, hey, we're going to air it out the entire game. Like there will be a bit more balance to the offense, I would think, but they're still not good at running the ball. No. And yeah, I thought they were going to pick up Deion Lewis in free agency, who would sort of help supplement that run game with a passing game. Um, the offensive line's a question mark. And yeah, I just don't like Ronald Jones is going to have to take a massive leap. And even more so this year, like you know, the Bruce Arians has not been shy about explaining why Ronald Jones didn't see the field a ton. He's not great as a pass blocker right now. Now, maybe he gets better with a shortened offseason that he doesn't get to spend, you know, he doesn't spend any time with his teammates. I, that seems unlikely. There's no way they're going to leave a running back out there who cannot pass block with Tom Brady under center because one bad hit on Tom Brady from a running back who misses a block you know, for no, for no reason other than just he's not good at pass blocking. And Brady at his age, you know, 
is is down and out, and then all of a sudden your season's down the toilet, and you have the Glazer family, who's not afraid to fire people, banging down the door asking what the hell just happened with our $50 million investment. Well, I would think of it on the flip side, too, that even when you look at New England, even when they use their fullback sets, I mean, that's one thing. But if they're passing, whether it's at a shotgun or a single back set and someone like James White's on the field, it's not like James White was ever asked to pass block all that often. He's running routes out of the backfield. Just their offense moved very efficiently, very quick. It would be two seconds, then the ball was out. That's not necessarily what had happened in Tampa under Jameis or even with a lot of these Bruce Arians offenses. So do you think that, do you think the offense looks more like a classical Arians offense or more like a Brady and Josh McDaniels offense where it's just quick hitting almost we don't need to run the ball that much our running game is going to be these like quick four yard passes and that'll just be the extension of it well that's the crux of it right I mean like that really boils down to and you know from a real football perspective and a fantasy perspective too like are, do you want to invest in these guys you know do you trust and do you trust Tom Brady to put up big numbers Mike Evans Chris Godwin to sustain what they did last year and from a winning games perspective like do you want to bet on their over under do you think they provide value to win the NFC South like all of those questions are going to be answered by how this offense plays out. And I, I don't think anybody knows the answer. I thought Bruce Arians had a telling quote uh, to Jenna Lane of ESPN on, I've lost track of days. We were <laughs> recording this on a Thursday. The, the quote came out on a Wednesday, um, sometime in the middle of March, uh, <laughs> on, on a Wednesday. And he was basically like, look, you know, there are lots of reads that you are high to low reads. You know, you start deep and work your way back to the line of scrimmage. And a lot of quarterbacks I've coached, don't like to get off that deep read. I think Tom Brady is good enough to get off that deep read. He's going to figure out when to take his deep shots when he's got the right matchups on the outside or you know, whatever, wherever the, the deep shot is coming from, if Chris Goblin's lined up in the slot, et cetera. Or he's going to start, you know, he's going to look at that deep read, see that it's not a matchup he likes, and go ahead and start working a little bit lower. And I think that'll be the case. I think they'll blend it is my answer. I don't think Bruce Arians, he's a very good football coach. He's not stupid. And he knows that if he puts Tom Brady out there and has Tom Brady do seven-step drops over and over again behind that line and just have him chunk it deep to, to Mike Evans, it's going to end really poorly. I think they will take their shots. I think Brady's actually a better deep passer uh, than last year gives him credit for because of who he was throwing to. Um, but ultimately, I think it will be more of a blend, not necessarily what McDaniels did, but that it'll be sort of a shortened version of what we saw from Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians when they first started in Arizona. Well, let's talk about the Cardinals, Bruce Arians' old team. They trade away David Johnson. They get DeAndre Hopkins back. They did lose Demir Bird to the Patriots, so you got to watch out for that. And, and the Patriots announced that signing right as the Tom Brady rumors were popping up. It was beautifully Belichickian. They're like, we signed Demir Bird, another crap wide receiver you don't care about so they put the transition then sign Kenyon drake larry fitz is coming back devondre campbell uh ends up going to their defense um and they upgraded the defense just marginally but just put some solid players in place that i'm getting here's the thing i like what arizona has done i think they've had an excellent off season but i'm getting like really terrifying cleveland browns from last year vibes about them mm. Just everything, everything, they bring in the big receiver. They got, they have a rookie quarterback who looked pretty good year one. He's going to take the leap in year two. We're all excited about it. The other teams in the division either haven't done anything or kind of got worse. Like, it's the time for Arizona. Like, I can imagine that when people, like the Niners will be the, the favorite in the division. They're the betting favorite right now. But there's going to be a lot of people, once like picks time comes around, that are going to have the Cardinals winning this division. That I can, I do mm. see downside with it, despite the fact that I love how they've basically won the offseason. Yeah, and let's not forget it was, I mean, it's Kyler and Baker, the, the, if you're making the comp, right? It's like yeah. the, the guy, you know, the guy who was at Oklahoma right after Baker Mayfield. So that does sort of add up. That is terrifying as somebody who was, and, like, I don't think I'm going to, like, sneak the Cardinals under the radar, although uh, Kyler Murray's MVP odds are at least in, enticing. They're not, they didn't get jacked up like Bakers did last year. Well, they're, oh, are, oh, oh, yes, they did. They're down to 20 to 1 now. Oh, 20 to 1. Okay, they are jacked up. I guess I haven't been paying enough attention to that. They were, like, 60 to 1. The Cardinals are 60 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, at least. The, remember, the Browns got to, like, 15 to 1 at one insane point during the, the Cleveland hype. I would say the biggest difference for me – and I, I don't. I like your comparison. I think it makes sense, especially with the hype train. Um, the biggest difference for me is that Freddie Kitchens is a bumbling moron, <laughs> and I think Cliff Kingsbury, with a year under his belt, a already has more time than Kitchens as a head coach. B isn't learning how to be a head coach on the fly, and C, 
showed a lot of promise down the stretch last year, both in terms of his game management and his play calling in real time. Like I thought he got a lot better. I had major questions about his red zone decision-making, his red zone play calling. Oh, hold on. Are you saying it's not smart to kick field goals from the one yard line? Like I am eight saying times that, in a Pat. game. Yes. It's okay. like, it, it was infuriating. It's like this young, like brash, like, like handsome sunglass wearing memorific, you know, coach comes from college. He's like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm here to, you know, party and, and, and be like really smart. And then he's like kicking field goals on the one. It's like, what are you doing? How can you have that level of, of like, how can you exude that kind of testosterone walking around and then kick field goals from the one? Like that doesn't, that doesn't add up in terms of a testicular fortitude type of math equation. It's just really weird. We had two bets for the first eight weeks of the year that I think cashed seven of eight weeks because uh, we give out the props on the show Sunday morning. It was Josh Allen over rushing yards and Zane, <laughs> and Zane Gonzalez over total points. <laughs> That's a good – that was a good one. I mean, Kingsbury was banging down those field goals early on. He didn't, he didn't care. I almost think he was like I, – I feel like the Cardinals were worried that if they – I think Kingsbury was worried that if he went for it too often – in those spots and missed, he would immediately be subject to this guy doesn't know what he's doing criticism. And so despite his typical, what might be his typical mentality, he did play scared and he did kick and he kicked early and often. And that's my only theory on that, because I feel like he loosened up a little bit, went for it more and fourth down, got a little more aggressive in the red zone later on in the season. And I I think Kyler's going to be good. And I, the 20 to one is a little nerve wracking. It shouldn't be that high. He's like the fifth fantasy QB off the boards. when you do these mock drafts, Um, but you see his deep ball. And I mean, he, that dude can wing it and he didn't have a whole lot of help and he didn't have a good offensive line last year. And I mean, top five fantasy quarterback seems definitely within the realm of possibility. Just be sure. And and that's also the one thing too, uh, just even circling back to Brady a little bit. And I can see that it really, it's going to, I don't think that uh, the Patriots are done at quarterback. I think they're going to go either through the draft. Whether One it's, would hope not. W- whether it's Jalen Yaherd or whether they just go sign someone. They sign Cam or something like that. But it just strikes me as you look at all the quarterbacks who really, I mean, Garoppolo, even he has, a, like Shanahan uses him in a way where he can use his limited mobility to his strength. Like they can run these fourth and one rollouts and like there's no one around him, but he has enough mobility to do that, that I think the Patriots see where quarterbacking is going. And this isn't like, it's a conversation that seems to be had like every 10 years or so. It's like, oh, Randall Cunningham has changed the way that people play quarterback. Michael Vick mm. has changed it. Dante Culpepper has changed it. But now half the quarterbacks are mobile quarterbacks. They're not statues like Tom Brady. That I think that was a lot of the impetus of letting Tom Brady go is they, they want to have at least a dual threat quarterback because – you look around the league and you know, not everyone's Lamar Jackson kind of thing, but like, I think Kyler is a good blend of both those things where he does have the running capability and maybe like it's all off the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson playbook where these guys are passers first, but have the mobility, or at least Aaron Rodgers did that they can scramble for the first down. You can have designed running plays because it just keeps the defense up. If the defense knows you're going to take a three-step drop and throw or a five-step drop and throw, you can gear your defense to shut down that offense in certain ways. Now a good offense can overcome it, but you give them something else they have to think about. There's so much value in that just from a scheming perspective that you would want to have that under center. Yeah. And not to mention like just strictly from a math perspective, if you have to like, you're dealing with an extra guy that you have to contain who might take off running. Whereas Tom Brady is not a pro like you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, looking out for the, the, the read option on the, you know, to the right with Tom Brady. I'd say the other thing just on Kyler and Russell, I think Russell is the great comparison and I would throw Patrick Mahomes in there too. The one thing that those three guys have in common is that they have a baseball background and some other guys do too, of course, but like Ka- you can see Kaepernick it. had that as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kaepernick. Yeah. But like, you can see it when they run, they keep this l- very level plane, like up to and including their arm and they are capable of, it, it it mimics to me ex- exactly the motion of a shortstop or a second baseman fielding a ball and then on the run making a throw because you have to you have to maintain that that even plane across your you know balance across your chest and then through your arm uh, otherwise the ball is going to sail and so I think that's what's made those guys so dangerous maybe even more so than just a Lamar Jackson who can take off running and destroy you with his feet. But like Mahomes can take off running and then just whip something out of nowhere. The same with Kyler, you know, he can be running to the right and just launch one deep. You see those with Russell all the time, that toe tapper late in the year to, to Tyler Lockett. I think that baseball background in particular helps those guys, but I agree with your point. I think the Patriots 
have wanted and do want at some point, Bill Belichick believes there's some sort of not money ball approach, but there is an economic shift in terms of what you can do offensively to having a mobile quarterback. And had he not had Tom Brady for, you know, the last 10 years that he probably didn't expect to have Tom Brady, he probably would have moved to a mobile quarterback sooner. Well, not every team can be a winner or a loser in the NFC. There's just a lot of teams that stayed relatively neutral. They made a few signings. They replaced them. or They lost a few guys. They replaced them with basically the same guys kind of thing. Like, it's hard to say, like, this team won, this team lost, and, like, have that for there's, – there's some C-pluses out there for every team. Like, that's fine in the offseason if you were a good team. Like, if you just tread water because you were good, incrementally add somewhere else. But if there was going to be another winner from the NFC that you can see, who do you think it could be? Another winner or a uh, loser? A winner. A winner. Um, let's see, from the NFC. Why am I uh, – let's see, I don't think the Panthers are a winner. I do think the Bucks. I mean, I think the Saints qualify – as a team that won, but I, I would hesitate to uh, give that too much credence just because they basically brought back guys that they already had in Drew Brees and Andrews Pete. Uh, one team that I think does qualify would be the Philadelphia Eagles. They get Darius Slay in this, in this trade. They've needed cornerback for a long time. Um, you look at what they have done on their defensive line, and to me, it very much, Pat, mimics what they had when they went on that Super Bowl run. Uh, they had Javon Hargrave as a free agent from, from Pittsburgh. Fletcher Cox is back. They got Malik Jackson sort of lingering in the background there. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett. They have so much talent at pass rush, and now you have maybe Matt Patricia would disagree, but an elite cornerback in the, in the defensive backfield in, in Darius Slay who can help take some of the pressure off of a secondary that was just ravaged last year. I still have questions about what they're going to do at wide receiver. I think they will probably address that in the draft to a degree. And in my opinion, you have four guys, uh, CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, who can be impact out-of-the-box guys. Maybe Philly trades up and gets to ensure they get one. We'll see how that plays out. Um, uh, I know Howie Roseman spoke about Alshon Jeffrey in terms of he knows he needs to get healthy and he's being sort of, you know, drugged through the mud out there in the public. Um, that is a bit of a concern, but they do have the two tight ends and a decent running game. I think Miles Sanders could make the leap this year. Additionally, to me, the Giants stink. They're just not going to be that good. The Red, the Redskins are, are you know, two years away at least probably the, if Dwayne Haskins the, clicks. The, the Red, the, hold on. The Redskins somehow got, like, objectively worse. Uh, yeah, I could, I, I'm fine with that. Their, big, yeah, their, they, their biggest signings were like J.D. McKissick and Peyton Berber and then Cody Latimer. <laughs> like they took crappy players from all the other crappy NFL teams. Like Thomas we're Davis. We're good. Thomas now. Davis. He's only he's only two years younger than Tom Brady. So, you know, um, they, they they are putting a lot of faith in Ron Rivera using his schematics approach to improve the defense. Their pass rush is pretty good. I don't know what they got on the back end. Um, you know, obviously they paid for Landon Collins last offseason. Brandon Scherf tagging him was it was paramount. You worry a lot about can you you're letting Trent Williams go? Like so, Dwayne Haskins is going to have you've had Trent Williams on your roster for a year and a half, and Dwayne Haskins will get nary a snap with an All Pro left tackle. Like that's not fair to your young quarterback. Uh, but the the larger point too is that to me the Cowboys, even though they got Amari Cooper back and they tagged Dak, losing Byron Jones. We don't know what's going to happen to Leighton Van Der Esch. They lost Robert Quinn. They lost so much on that defense, and they have a new head coach. They lost their starting center, and they have a quarterback whose contract status is TBD right now as we record this. All of those things in what could be a very short offseason make me believe that the Eagles, with their continuity, are in a much better spot than anybody else in that division. Well, Gerald McCoy going there, I don't think isn't nothing. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, I do. I think that Gerald McCoy is probably still better than Robert Quinn at this point. I think they're yeah, both I mean, good, two different players. Like, well, I mean, like, if you're if you're not if you're gonna get if you're not gonna get excited about Adama Sue, can you get excited about Gerald McCoy? I at least I feel like McCoy can get into the backfield and harass the passer. Like Sue doesn't even seem like he attempts to do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe maybe he's not being asked to do it. Maybe, maybe he's that could be very much the case, yeah. which would strike me as odd because that's like the single that's his best talent as an interior. I think that in that Todd Bowles defense, not to go back to the Buccaneers, but I think in that Todd Bowles defense, it's sort of asking Sue to do less of what he does as a it's like an interior four three rusher, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think that actually makes perfect sense. I mean, sometimes I mean it's always sort of the Belichick thing, and I think we see this with John Harbaugh as well. Is like we will identify how you can help out our system the most. If you just stick 
to what we ask you to do, and everyone on the field does that, all of a sudden we're getting 20% more out of the talent that's on the field. Like, I, I think that's very sensible. Yeah, do your, do your job. And if everybody does their job, then, yeah, it's like, you know, if you can't, you can't have 10 people rowing a boat in one direction, the other guy trying to row the other way, but it's not going to work. Yeah, and then you have those one-arm paddlers. I knew one of them in high school, and he had one real <laughs> jacked arm and, like, one little, like, French fry arm. It was really bizarre. Rafael Nadal as well. His left is jacked. His right is, is his basically- right Is his right smaller than his left? I've never I, noticed that. I, I would say, like, his left bicep is twice the size of his right bicep. If you is it do arms pop up quick like early on in your um if you that is okay yeah his left is much more jacked yeah the I right mean, arm's a little more sinewy <laughs> that would be exactly right like I don't know if you're a lefty and you play tennis and that's your predominant hand like I guess you would you know do do double the curls on that side maybe but is he a is he a, is he a lefty is he, he is a lefty. lefty he's a lefty he's a lefty okay lefty if you ever played tennis against a lefty my like one of my best we play tennis a lot here one of my best friends is a lefty it is such a mind f because i'm sorry you can it, swear it, you can you yeah, can swear I know, on I, I just, I, it fucks with your mind cuz you're <laughs> you're looking for the spin coming one and like as a as a righty you're always going cross court trying to force somebody into playing their backhand but when you play a lefty you're just playing into their forehand you're just getting ripped back like the other way just like smash back it's it's a disaster yeah well it's the old boxing philosophy is that you know you have to do whatever is counterintuitive to actually have the proper footwork and lean in the right way to everything that's right exactly it's sweet science you apply it to left-handed tennis and you're good to go uh, i think the bears got better um, so I was really, really, yeah, I was down on the bears and it's not necessarily because of everything that had, like, I think they're a legitimate dark horse team in the NFC this year because they were, everyone's, you know, they stayed so healthy two years ago and that defense was so good and opportunistic. And you just looked at it and you were like, well, Trubisky kind of reeks. I know he played okay, but I can see him going back the other way. That happened. They're not going to stay as healthy. That happened. And they generated so many turnovers. It's like, this isn't sustainable. But it seemed like everything went wrong for them last year, that they can rebound back a little bit the other way. And I'm not the biggest Nick Foles fan in the world. And I don't even know if he's going to end up starting. But if he is there to push Trubisky, and Trubisky can improve because of that, I think that's a big help. I do actually think for them, getting Robert Quinn to be an edge rusher is huge. Uh, Just more pressure to, and you don't have to just rely on Khalil Mack to do everything on your defense. That really helps. Get a bit more continuity on defense. Not maybe where you were two years ago, but not be as banged up as you were last year. All of a sudden, this team is kind of scary. If they can get... A plus out of their quarterback position, whether it's Trubisky improving or just Foles, like neutral Foles, is a huge upgrade under center for them. That I think they can be pretty good. I think there's two ways to look at it. One, I would say that if we're looking at just the work that Ryan Pace did this offseason, I am not a fan of the deals that he made. Like, I don't like the idea of giving up any kind of pick for Nick Foles and that contract. Like, I thought the Jags were going to have to give somebody a second round pick to take the Nick Foles contract. And so uh, the bears taking that on, not a huge fan of that move. I don't disagree with your statement though, that Nick Foles gives them, especially um, because I I, I believe unless I'm crazy that um, uh, his uh, John D. Filippo is in Chicago now. Right. Or yeah. Maybe am I crazy? John D. Filippo, wherever John D. Filippo goes, there's a contractual obligation that Nick Foles must go there as well. It's the only two people that can work together uh, with Nick Foles. So I think, like that is an is a net plus in terms of upgrading the backup position and maybe upgrading the starter. And it, it, at the very least, it'll push Mr. Trubisky to get better this offseason and to try and come in and save his job and get that fifth year option and maybe get a big contract. Um, I wouldn't rule out Ryan Pace doing that. I hate the Jimmy Graham money, but I yeah, don't that, mind him as that, a that I I just don't understand that at all. You already have like nine tight ends on your roster. They have ten. They have ten. They actually have ten on 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 the roster. They have ten tight ends. What the hell? Why do you need ten tight ends? Just lots of blocking, I guess. I, I mean, it's not like Jimmy Graham could block. I don't. I that that one and the Jason the, Witten, that one, Jason Witten and Greg Olson just make no sense to me. The 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 I believe, and somebody could correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that the and now it actually uh, appears that Bradley Soul is this here. I believe that the the Bears are the only people I've ever seen to use our like I use our lads for depth charts. I've never seen a team take up two full tight end lines on rlads.com, but he, but here they are. Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Dax Raymond, Jesper Horstead, Demetrius Harris, Jimmy Graham, Ben Braunecker, JP Holtz, Eric Saubert, and Darian Clark. You could quite easily 
have a um some sort of like bar contest that you know like name all 10 bears tight ends and i'll give you a hundred dollars and there's no chance anybody's winning that money so who did the worst of the nfc teams is it carolina uh yeah carolina did a bad job but i think that they're quasi tanking and i don't think anybody realizes that i would say the lions and the lions were already bad i mean this is disastrous like they paid hala potty vitae that's not how you pronounce it i don't care i just can't figure it out big v if you will they gave like 55 million bucks um they the the contracts that they handed out in free agency just don't make any sense they traded darius slay like matt patricia thinks that he can just thrash this this cornerback who's been a very good cornerback for his team and and like you're not bill belichick buddy you don't have the titles you can't do all that uh i i thought that the lions you look at them and for a team that's been given an impetus win this season or else everyone gets fired they don't have a chance of making it to the playoffs and they just don't look like a very good roster maybe matthew stafford bust out of nowhere to have a great season late in his career but i don't love it the panthers to me are their problem is that they don't seem to know how what they're what what are they doing are they tanking are they trying to be mediocre i think you could talk yourself into their offense being good enough where they could win six to eight games but that's probably the worst case scenario this is a team that needs to get trevor lawrence in the draft if they're not taking somebody this year i don't buy teddy bridgewater as a a necessarily a long-term option i like him as a a very very expensive band-aid that knows joe brady's system because they work together in new orleans and when you look at the weapons they have with uh, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, and Curtis Samuel, those are low A-dot a guys. So they could fit really well with Teddy Bridgewater in terms of short yardage stuff, get well, guys in space, let them take off. But then Robbie Anderson out yeah, of nowhere. Yeah, like, I, that's, that's the, I mean, I, the deal is actually quite good. Like two years, 20 million bucks. Like I sure. think Robbie Anderson is a pretty good receiver. I just don't understand him on this team. Yeah, and, well, I think, I mean, honestly, like it might even go back to, hey, you played college ball for me. I'm going to bail you with throw you a bone here because you know you played for Matt Rule at Temple. That's I mean that's sort of the only thing I can come up with. PJ Walker they added off the XFL. Uh, you know he played at Temple as well, and so there's it's sort of a perplexing like I know that Temple team in 2000 uh, either 14 or 15 won 10 games. They went 10 to four. Like it was a good Temple. Team. I don't know why they played 14 games, but they went 10 to four. I believe I it was a good Temple team. Like winning 10 games at Temple, very impressive. But are we sure that we need to recreate? temple in the nfl like is that going to work and i think matt rule is a smart program builder i just don't know that going all in on 2015 temple is the move i would make if i were if i were building a roster in the nfl but so it's it's weird stuff like that then there's like you know trading trade turner for russell okun like you're giving up the better guy for a worse guy at this point and a younger guy for an older guy with the older guy having one year left on his deal and the younger guy having like three years left on his deal. It, it it's a very nonsensical move. It feels, and I, I, I don't know how it feels like they are transitioning, but doing it in a very cumbersome way. And they don't really know how to handle all of these moves or like, I think they're scared to say we're just tanking because they don't want to bury Matt rule in his first year. Um, they don't want to, but, but uh, wouldn't, have fans wouldn't, not na- wouldn't now make the most sense to like, especially knowing that, yeah. that coronavirus could wipe out half the year anyway, that it makes total sense. You're getting rid of your superstar quarterback. You've cut him. He's now on the open market. A guy who was MVP for you. You have a brand new ownership team. You have a brand new coach. This would seem to be like, Hey, we're blowing it up. No better I- time than the present. We'll blow it up. And you know, Maybe even by next, look how quickly the Dolphins kind of not necessarily completely turned it around, but like they were a laughing stock after like three weeks last year. Now everyone's like, maybe it looks kind of all right. <laughs> and if they, it's like you get Tua and you get like a receiver and then, you know, some edge rusher in this draft class or an offensive tackle, like all of a sudden you're like, I can talk myself into the Dolphins winning 10 games at some point in the next three years. Um, yeah, I'm with you. And I think the thing with Carolina too is that when you, you just looked at the roster, there was an opportunity here to do what they did in 2010 when they, they just drafted uh, Jimmy Clausen in the second round. Oh man. They didn't have a first round pick. Totally. And they trotted out Clausen for the whole year and he sucked. Dude, that team sucked so bad. That was the worst offense you'll ever see. Jeff Schwartz was on that team. He'll talk about how, just how terrible that offense was. John Fox coach, Jimmy Clausen led disaster season, but they end up with the number one pick and they get Cam Newton and it sort of reboots the franchise for the next nearly decade. Now they weren't great every year, 
but they had a Super Bowl run. They hosted multiple playoff games. They won multiple division titles. Like, that's what you should be thinking about is if we suck this, like, let's just trot out Will Greer and Kyle Allen. And he's now traded, obviously. But you're like, hey, let's trot these guys out, see what we got in them. And when they stink, then you go uh, and draft Trevor Lawrence first overall and you hope you reboot. Man, I, I had completely, like, just wiped the Colossomy bag from my memory, but now, now, he's, now he's back. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you're going to give Teddy Bridge, I know this is probably a really unfair comparison, but I think I would rather just start P.J. Walker. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, Sign uh, P.J. Walker from the XFL, have Greer, have Allen, or maybe don't have Allen, trade him the Redskins. Whatever. If you get a fifth-round pick for him, that's great. But you go with P.J. Walker, you go and you sell it. He's my Temple guy, and he was great in the XFL. You go with Will Greer. You let Teddy Bridgewater sign somewhere else. And then if you stink, you stink and you got a high pick next year. Yeah, you save the money. I mean, it's 33 guaranteed. It's three years, 63 million for Teddy B. And he's too good to make you the number one pick is the problem. Exactly. They are going to be like a, I think I said they're over at five, uh, five, five and a half wins. I would take the under, but I bet they get to four or five wins. And yeah. that's not what you want. And if he plays Teddy ball where he's not turning the ball over at short passes, like there's a route where they bad teams win seven games every single year. Like it could be them. Now the division itself probably is a bit too tough for that. If Tampa's improved, new Orleans got either the same or marginally better. I actually think the Falcons got a little bit better too. Yeah. And the Falcons too, you know, uh, Arthur Blank was actually on my podcast at the Super Bowl, but an actual NFL owner during my podcast. It was insane. Um, and he, uh, he pointed out that continuity was very important to him, uh, you know, trying to maintain continuity because that's what good franchises do. And I think, I, I, you know, looking back on it now, sure, in, late, in early February, yes, coronavirus and COVID was a thing, but not it wasn't a, a thing like it is right now. Nobody was on lockdown. But, you know, he, I don't think he had the foresight to look ahead to that. But certainly having that continuity this offseason is going to be paramount for NFL teams because there's a very good chance we don't have OTAs, that people are doing them virtually and doing the installs. And so if you're bringing a new coach and a new new offensive system and everybody's trying to learn something new, you're not going to get the bonus days and weeks that you would normally get as a first-year head coach when the NFL grants you. Instead, you're probably going to be jumped on – like it's going to be like training camps can be jump street and good luck getting that install in from training camp to the start of the preseason. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. So the move is for virtual OTAs, just call up EA sports, work with Madden, develop mm-hmm. your own proprietary playbooks, submit them to the Madden people, make them sign an NDA and they give you your own version of Madden, which you can then distribute to your players and teach the playbook that way. That's actually a really smart idea. You should sell that to Madden. I'm giving it out for free. Unfortunately, no one watches this fucking show. <laughs> that's not true. That's, that's not true. I know it, people watch that show. You know what? By the way, you know what I found? Like I was doing a lot during DFS season before it went away is uh, we got like this new smart TV that has a YouTube app. I don't know why I didn't have one until 2020. It's kind of embarrassing. But like I really enjoyed I would watch like, uh, you know, you and Gup and uh, run Rick good. And, you know, of course, like CBS. stuff. But like you can access a lot of stuff on YouTube. It's amazing. Yeah, it's there's a lot of information and decent content on YouTube for free. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I would fire up on Tuesday and Wednesday. I would, you know, I'd fire up like I'd fire up you and Feinberg, and then you would have Rick on or whoever. Like you can soak in a lot of information. Um, you know, like I would watch the Awesome O, uh, the, their NBA morning show. Like that's what I, my wife would come back from working out, and she'd be like, "What are you? Why are these dudes yelling about NBA games? You write about football. What's going on?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it." It's my NBA is sort of like my comfort food sport. I don't cover it. I, I don't even really watch it all that much, but I enjoy consuming the media for NBA is so good that yeah. I, I just like to follow along with the NBA through media. Yeah, I know I'm with you. I, I gave up NBA for marriage actually, because um, it was always, like, I think the final, like the finals are always during our anniversary or, you know, it's just June. And my wife's like, F you, you do so much. You, all you do is watch sports. You try to sell me that you cover baseball for a little while. That's a lie. <laughs> He's like every single college football game is a draft prospect. No more NBA. You're out on NBA. And so I, I gave it up, but now I'm sort of creeping back in. And I agree with you. It is, it is like a nice uh, chicken pot pie or lasagna, uh, albeit in the summer. Well, that is our NFC free agents, winners and losers. We'll dig in deeper to the teams that we didn't talk about a few times in the future. Because I have some thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings. And one of the reasons that I like the Bears, I think they can pass the Vikings this year. And we'll see what ends up. 
Yeah, and we'll see what ends up happening in the draft, too. I mean, like, if you're the Vikings and, like, Tajay Sharp's your number two, probably not the best look for your offense, but <laughs> eh, we'll see. Maybe BC Johnson really breaks out this year. and Maybe Big Irv, my guy, can finally, like, stay on the field consistently and average more than two targets a game. We'll see about all of this. Will, what do you guys got going on with your guys' podcast? Are you... You're not. You're obviously not going daily right now, are you? We are still daily. Oh my god, we are daily. We are daily year round. It's insane. Uh, and in fact, uh, Pat, they actually have added to our uh, daily consumption. We now have a CBS Sports HQ show daily at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern. People can watch that for free on your CBS Sports app, uh, Roku, Fire, Amazon TV, wherever, where Amazon Fire, Apple TV, wherever else you get your your phone, anywhere you get it. Um, and of course, we have daily NFL shows. And we will be uh, daily, in, unless they, I mean, I don't think that my boss is going to let me quit doing daily since we've done it for two short years. So I think we're just daily through June. It gets a little dark, but it's got good football information. Would you know about Roku and Fire Stick and all this stuff if it wasn't, like, I found out about all of it. It's like, they came up to me. It's like, hey, we're available on all this stuff. I was like, what the fuck is this stuff? Like, four <laughs> years ago. I was like, then I found out what it was. Like, I don't know if I would know what any of this stuff was if I didn't host the show. And I was told that my show airs on them. If I was if I was just like a guy who just watched cable, I probably would be very confused by Amazon Fire. But like I I like the idea. I switched to YouTube TV and it's and you so you can use that on Roku's and all that stuff. And that is very nice. Uh being able to do all those things. So I'm I'm sort of in on that technological stuff, but other you're right. Like if I was in a different vocation, probably not. Will Brinson at Will Brinson, Pick Six Podcast on CBS. Like you mentioned, CBS Sports HQ. You can check him out on there, as you can check out my good friend, Rick Gaiman. Rick Run Good. Uh, not a whole lot of golf going on right now, but that's the whole deal. Anyway, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you like about the show. If you want to get into the $20 draw for the video, smash the like, leave your DraftKings handle, give me your biggest winner and your biggest loser from the NFC. Although I know some people are going to be like, the Cincinnati Bengals got really good. And I'll be like, they're not in the NFC. And they'll be like, I don't understand questions. Because that's what happens in YouTube comment sections. Either way, keep them coming. I'm Pat Mayo. We'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!